I despise this film. It is so fucking dumb. I don't care if it's fun. It's dumb. Stupid. Time travel is stupid in it. The action is stupid. The performances are stupid. I didn't like it. Um... Hello everyone and welcome back to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that looks back on these last two years and goes <laughs> Joining me as always is the slightly startled Ian Whittington. Ian, how are you doing my friend? What? <laughs> I didn't get while, that. While his ears recover, I am your host as always, Sean Ferrick. Thank you everyone for joining us and to everyone who has... Stuck with us through thick and through thin and through that little thing that's in the news, we raise a glass of whatever we can taste to you. <laughs> water. Stay hydrated. Drink water, people. Do. Do. Yeah, it sounds like the beginning of the sunscreen song. Uh, What's that? Oh, you are so young. I'm two years younger than you. Yeah, right, yeah. Baz Luhrmann's sunscreen song. That just makes me ignorant. Doesn't make me young. I don't know. Do you know what? It's one of the reasons I like you. You, uh-huh. you own it. Yeah. You own it. I know what yeah. I am. You wear it like a Gears of War beanie. I do, which is what I'm wearing on my head. I love it. I love yes. it. Um, so we, we will have like bits of news or whatever to go into, but just for <clears> everyone's benefit, I have placed Ian on a rug, yeah. taken a couple of steps back, held the edge of that rug and just yanked it. Now, thankfully, uh, he was way heavier than I was expecting. So the rug barely yes. moved. I was um, quite planted. Yeah. And I am far weaker than I look. And I don't look strong. <laughs> Oh, poor shorty. Uh, I know, I know. Yes, yes, please. Uh, so while you're getting the world's smallest violin played for me, yes. um, I have just suggested to Ian that we do a little bit of a look back on 2021 because as this episode airs on the 28th of December 2021, the next episode after that will be in 2022, which is Whoa. absolutely bonkers to think of that. So I think we do a little bit of a run back. Now, That is not to say that there is no news this week. So, Ian, shall we go to the news? To the news! News team, assemble! A little bit of sad news to start. Uh, Jean-Marc Vallée who is 58-year-old Canadian filmmaker and director who did um, the Dallas Buyers Club and Big Little Lies, uh, died quite suddenly. Um, oh, I didn't uh, even know this. I missed that. It's I think it's breaking news as we record this. Uh, it, hmm. is, it, is quite, it is quite sad. Yeah, he was very, very talented. Um, so I have no details. I just know he died. It literally, the headline says, died suddenly outside his cabin in Quebec. Well, bless so, him. Could be anything then, couldn't it? Heart attack, stroke, something like that. Exactly, oh. unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> Bless him. No, I've got to say, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club or Pretty, pretty uh, what was it? Pretty Dead Things? It, I, 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 no, I understand. Um, pretty, no, Pretty Little Lies. Is Not Pretty this Little is big, Lies. This is Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. There we go. I yeah. couldn't unhear that. Uh, no, I haven't yeah. seen either of them. Um, rec- recommends? Or have you not seen them either? Oh, no, I have seen, I've seen both. I've seen both. Oh, nice. um, and both are brilliant Dallas Buyers Club now it's it's intense but it's very good yeah um, like I totally McConaughey and Leto deserved their Oscars nice, you know? nice. and Big Little Lies are that's excellent it's two seasons and it's yeah definitely 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 worth it nice yeah 
Do you have any news cool. other than your impending doom? I do. No, no impending doom for me. I'm fine. Um, Spider-Man, surprise, has crossed a billion dollars. Um, that is the Woo-hoo. first post-pandemic or during pandemic, continuing pandemic um, uh, movie to cross a billion dollars. Not a, not, a, not a huge surprise after its first weekend, but a, a surprise in general, I think. I don't know that we were expecting it to do a billion, perhaps. I'm sure many people would have predicted that, but it surprised me a little bit. Yeah, do you know what? Big. I know what you mean. And because I think we'll look back at it and go, it was being billed as the end game of Spider-Man. Yes. You know, yeah. um, but because we've had the couple of years that we've had, we had the not failure of Eternals. I really enjoyed Eternals, but Eternals certainly didn't meet the hype. Um, yeah. Shang-Chi was brilliant, but because it came out in lockdown, I think it suffered a little bit from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was big things. We just kind of went, yeah. Plus, there's the fact of it's Spider-Man 3, which historically has not been great. No, the third in the series have usually been a bit sketchy, but I can't mm. believe that this is probably the best in the series. Like, that's that's insane. It's the, um, what are we overall? It's the eighth standalone Spider-Man film, the third in God. this iteration. Like, how often is the eighth movie of something the best? I don't know if that's ever happened. Right, what's the number eight Star Trek film? That'll be First, first contact. contact. So yeah, no, it, yeah. that works, yeah. <laughs> Only Star Trek has done it before. Nice. I love it. That's gas. <clears throat> that's great. Um, um, yeah, so that's cool. That's, that's a cool bit of news. Um, what was the other thing that I had? Yeah, Batman is going to have 45 days in the cinema before it goes to HBO Max. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's um, that's longer than I expected. And, I, again, I wonder how much of that is... Maybe possibly a reaction to Spider-Man because it's definitely built some confidence back in the market, and few things put bums in seats like a new Batman film. Um, True. So did you see as well. Um, sorry if this was your next bit of news. It just what pops into <laughs> my head. No, it is. I, I could see it in your face. Was this your next bit of news? The next Batman news? No, I don't know because what, what, what's your what's your thing? Oh, Michael Keaton has been confirmed to appear as Batman in the Batgirl spin-off. Oh no, I did see that news, but yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. But yeah, no, no, that's really cool. Um, and that's a film, isn't it? That's not a TV show. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm sure it is. Um, and now there's so that means that'll be two appearances of Michael Keaton's Batman, which is like it's interesting how Marvel and DC are both doing the multi-universe thing, but DC is so much more head scratchy about it. It's like, how are you doing it? Why are you doing it? What what is going on here? Is the goal to reboot the universe? Is it just to acknowledge it? Is it what is it? Because we still don't have a cohesive DCEU. Not at all. In fact, I on Christmas Eve myself, and my dad started watching a little bit again of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Put a put a coin. Well, in the, the massive one, the seven hour version. Yeah, and and I said this to you, like I really enjoyed that while I was watching it. Yeah. But I think we said at the time as well, how much of this is just oh, thank God, it's not the other one. Well, exactly, and it's the novelty of seeing that potential realised, um, I don't think I'll ever watch it again, to be honest. Well, I can tell you I watched so episode one of the miniseries, if you like, yeah. and it's fine. Yeah. There's no story in it. Um, now, funny, you know, no, well, not funny, but you were saying, obviously, about Spider-Man No Way Home just walking its way. It is now the highest grossing film of 2021. Yes, yeah, By absolutely. a comfortable amount as well. Yeah. The next one is The Battle at Lake Changjin, uh, which is a Chinese film. 
Um, film depicts the story of Chinese soldiers defeating American troops despite great odds in a heavily fictionalized retelling of the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir during the Korean War. And that has taken in just under a billion and Spider-Man has gone one billion and 54 million. So like it's, yeah. it's a comfortable margin there. But I'm looking at the top 10 of the year. You've got Spidey, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Shang-Chi and Eternals are all in the top 10. <laughs> nice. Marvel still had a good year, um, unsurprisingly. But they really went hard on TV shows this year. So all of the, mm. like, WandaVision was this year. Like, how strange is that? The entire... Oh, uh-huh. that is bonkers. What's the, that? What's that? God. The entire Marvel TV slate was this year. So WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye. Um, hang on, when did Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I know it was after Wanda. It was the one after WandaVision anyway. 19th of March, 21. So yeah, it yeah it went straight from WandaVision into Falcon, into Loki, um, into What If, and then into um, Hawkeye. Like they... I d- how can you have that foresight? Because it's it's almost as if they knew 2021 was going to be a write-off for the cinema and mm. you're going to have bums in seats at home. So you heard it here first. Disney caused the pandemic to launch their Marvel TV shows. Well, yes, at but, but they then also didn't have the foresight because they had that, you know, that slight court issue with uh, Scarlett Johansson. You really think that was an issue for them? Well, it was. She won. You really think that was an issue for them? That come on, that's like pocket change. Like there's, I they, I don't even think they have an ounce of bad PR because of it. Um, I think they made all of the money they needed to make from that film, and whatever they gave Scarlett was, eh. I suppose we'll do that if we have to. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm pretty cynical. Surprise! Uh, and in fact, you are getting more cynical as life goes on. Indeed, I so, am. Yeah. Yeah, so we're becoming a grumpy yeah. old Englishman. Which, what a surprise. In fairness, it's not like you lie to anyone. It's not like you said you weren't going to do this. No, it certainly fits. So, Ian. Yes. Um, because hopefully this will steer some of the sickness away. What is your favourite film of the year? Um, in, I'm glad you've asked me this today because um, it would have been a different answer a few days ago. And it is uh, The Harder They Fall, um, which is okay. um, a new... Ne- well, no, it's not new. It's been out for a month or so. Um, but it's a Netflix movie um, uh, with... I'm going to pull up the cast very quick. And it feels like nobody is talking about this film. But it is a hard, hard recommend from me. Um, so this is director James Samuel. Okay. And um, it has Jonathan Majors, Zazie Beetz, and main... Zazie Beetz, anyway. Yeah, mainly uh, Idris Elba. They're your main... People kind of wait. Jonathan Majors is he <clears throat> from Love, Lovecraft Country and Loki? Um, I believe you're right. He is um, your main man at the end of Loki. Um, yes. Okay. Yep. Make sure I get that right. Yes, he is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lovecraft County. You're right. Yeah. Well done. Um, that's it. And he's he's fantastic. And he's your main person. He's your protagonist. Um, and the really quick premise is um, that um, Evil Idris Elba kills the parents of. Jonathan Majors, who plays Nat Love, that happens in the first five seconds, don't worry, um, which sends him on a mission to kill everyone and anybody to do with um, Idris Elba's character, um, who is called... Um, how is he not in the cast list? He could be uncredited. Straight, like, weird, like, Gary Oldman's uncredited for Hannibal. Well, that's so strange. Anyway, his last name is Rufus Buck. Sorry, his full name is Rufus Buck. Um, and basically, um, uh, Nat Love wants to kill 
everyone had anything to do with him, any of his gang. But the genius of it is, is it, well, it's a Western, so it's set in, in the Old West. Um, okay. It is an almost entirely uh, cast of colour. So it's it has... It's kind of like, you know, when they did Romeo and Juliet, but they updated it, or they brought it into, uh, like, modern language and slang and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. With you. It's very, very similar with this. Um, it's so, so good. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's got so much charm and character. Um, and then the story is surprisingly dark and has a very satisfying ending, is what I'll say. Okay. But, yeah, this movie is hilarious. It's got great action, great pacing. Um it's brilliant. It's so, so good. Hard, hard okay. recommend. And now, this might seem like a stupid question, but is it a comedy or is it an action that happens to be funny? Um, yeah, it's an action film that happens to be funny. It opens funnier, like it sets the tone of being a comedy, but then the last third is all action, all drama. Um, it's And the, the, choreo- the choreography and the fighting is fantastic. It's so good. Okay. Zazie Beats is great. It's the best thing I've seen her do, for sure. Well, this is grand because for me, like I've that I know of, I've only seen her in Deadpool two and Joker so far, and I've really liked her in both. But it, 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 I want to see more. Yeah, you know, hundred percent, totally. So okay, and that's Netflix, did you say? That is on Netflix. It is fantastic. Sean, what is your favorite movie of the year? Well, funny enough, my favorite movie of the year is not from twenty twenty one. It's of one of the holdovers. It isn't. Nice. It's one of the ones that got pushed out because of the apocalypse. Um, and it was Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Oh, And I've cool. had to think about nice. this a lot because it is not a film that is perfect by any means. Mm. Um, it is... It's very much a film of three parts. Right. Um, and they don't necessarily gel together. So I've had a bit of time to sit in this now. It came out in... I think it was August I saw this film in the cinema. And it was my... I'm 90% sure this was the first film I saw in the cinema since Tenet. So I was just like, please be good. I think I remember you saying that. Yeah. Um, And I walked (laughs) out, this was the best film I've ever seen. Awesome. Like, I loved it so, so much. Nice. And even now, like, even now I've seen, like, other great films of the year. No Time to Die, Dune, uh, No Way Home, who I I loved all of these films in, you know, various, various ways. None of them stuck with me the way Candyman has stuck with me. Um, That's really cool. it's... Because, like, every few episodes I like to drop in that, oh, by the way, you know I studied history in college. (laughs) This is a film that gets better and better the more you read into it. Nice, nice. And it's also, well, this is deliberate and also it's a kind of a happy slash sad accident. Is that the original back in the early 90s was a depiction of, you know, this rundown area of Chicago that had been ravaged by gang warfare and drugs and impoverished uh, people. And that was very much a character of the original. Now, in the real life interim time, a lot of that has been demolished and washed away and gentrified. And that becomes a large part of the story in this one, Mm. which was a really clever way of addressing the fact of like, there's literally like there's buildings that are really important in the original that are no longer there. In real oh, life. Oh, that's really cool. And so that's it's something that's dealt with head on. So I really, really enjoyed that. That's cool. And also, I mean, it's it's a film that became so 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 one of the strongest aspects of the film is how much it deals with the black experience in America mm. and what is done to the black community, you know, police violence. And and it is not subtle. I will say that. It is not a subtle film. And yet it's a film that was made I think before 
the George Floyd riots and the Black Lives Matter move. Well, obviously, Black Lives Matter has been around for quite a long time. But before that, yeah. you know, that horrible summer of 2020. Mm. And yet it's one that has only taken on much more of a resonance. You oh, know, for sure. Now yeah. That that is so much more widely known, like, or widely in the. And one of the problems is that, it, you know, it sits there, you're sitting in your chair, and there are moments of the film that are just like, you know, you see what we're doing here, right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, yes, I do. Like, don't worry, your story was doing that all by its own. You didn't mm. kind of have to. And there is a few bits like that. But it's very hard to not get pulled into this film. And I got pulled into this film and I felt it much more so than any other single film of mm-hmm. the year. So yeah. that's why Candyman is my number one. Of nice. One. That's awesome. That's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that's really cool. What was your favourite performance of the year? Um, oh, um, I'm so glad you gave me all of five seconds to prepare for this. I know, which means I know that it's, like it's, it's going to be a real visceral reaction. Yeah. So I am split um, and I'm going to go. For, oh, this is really hard. Um, my heart is saying one thing, my mind is saying another, but I'm going to go with Spencer. So it is, um, Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Um, I, and the reason I like it is because it isn't a Deanna impression. I, I was, I was going to leave you at it. You, you know what you're doing, man. Much like Spencer isn't the story of Princess Diana. Well, it is, but it's not a biography. Kristen Stewart's portrayal of her also isn't an imitation it is um you could say over the top over dramatized whatever but it matches the story that's being told which is a condensed a condensed story of possibly the worst elements of her relationship and what she had to go through condensed into one weekend you can see how Stuart has condensed all of her experiences into one weekend as well but it's such a good good performance and the movie doesn't work if she doesn't carry it off um you it's definitely quite one-sided it's definitely you're on her side and you're gonna feel sorry for her but um the way she is with um with charles and um no not charles that's the other one william and harry um is just so pure it's so wholesome um and that's um yeah that's just part of her performance she's just you really really buy into that these kids are her, her entire world pretty much the only reason that she's carrying on um and just the way she battles through um the eating disorder um the pressure from the family like some of the things they say to her are hideous like could you um like they went to a lot of effort to cook this meal so if you if you'd be so kind as to not throw it up immediately that would be great and oh that's the kind of shit that she has to put up with throughout the whole film um and it's yeah it's great she's kind of dreamlike and off in the clouds but at the same time really there for her kids um so yeah spencer really surprised me um i know my parents hated it sorry guys um i'll never recommend you watch a film again i'm so sorry but for me it was if you kind of put to side the fact that this is the royal family and she's called diana and just took it as a story with different names you might see it with a different point of view but yeah i really really loved it and she, I hope she gets nominated. Um, not, not convinced she'll win. Okay, yeah. I, I've heard enough buzz to think that I think she will at least get nominated. Yeah, I think. So. Like uh, after hearing you describe it and other people describe it as well, I'm just like, yeah, okay. And also because I haven't had a chance, I haven't seen the film yet. Mm. So 
I will definitely watch it. Yeah. Which oh, I should do anyway, but... It's great. Okay. It's stuck with me. I'd like to see it again. What about you, Shawnee? Now, you see, I have I have a favourite performance of the year, but it also falls under. So here's your five-minute warning. I'm going to ask you what's your favourite show of the year, and it's in my favourite show of the year. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm just like, maybe I should wait for that, but no, I'm going to go with it. Right, so my favourite performance of the year is Kate Siegel in Midnight Mass. Oh, I need to um, see this. You do need to see this. and uh, So I'm not going to give... I'm not going to say too much because I really, really don't want to spoil anything on you. Yeah. Um, uh, so I could nearly say it's nearly a toss-up between Hamish Linklater, who would be the lead in Midnight Mass, mm. and Kate Siegel. Now, there is a particular episode of Midnight Mass, which is why she takes the top spot. Got it. But, um, so, Casey, so Mike Flanagan... Uh, has been just redefining how you make horror series over the last while. Nice. Like he is just he is a gift to horror cinema and television. He did The Haunting of Hill House, he did The Haunting of Bly Manor, mm. uh, he's done Midnight Mass, he made that film Hush, he made Gerald's Game, um Doctor Sleep. So there's a, there's a there's big Stephen King vibes with him as yeah. well. And there is I'll discuss after you've watched it, there is massive Stephen King parallels in Midnight Mass as nice. well. But to say anything else would be a spoiler. Is there lots of kids swimming around naked in a canyon? Uh, no, thankfully, thankfully he has uh, he has excised that from good, good. from the, from the world. And he is someone who clearly cares about. Which was and now I am massive, massive horror fan. I suppose from talking about Candyman, you know as well. I love horror with a story. Yeah, absolutely. And Midnight Mass is horror with a story. It's That's an incredible, awesome. engaging story. Because also, what it is as well is it's slow. Okay. It does not rush anywhere. It's like you can settle in and walk with me if you like. I'm not going to make you. Yeah. It's one of those shows. This show is happening um, whether you like it or not. Um, very I much like so. that. I respect that a lot. Um, and the reason she's so Kate Siegel is married to Mike Flanagan and has been in nearly everything he's done so far. Nice. Um, was in. I was first introduced to her in Gerald's Game, but I didn't realize it was her. And then she is one of the leads in Hill House and smaller cool. part in Bly Manor, but she's in it. Nice. Um, and she is the lead in Hush. Um, Some overlap. She just has then. this incredible presence. Um, so in Hush, she plays a deaf character, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she communicates. There's internal monologue and gestures and everything. So, you know, she, as I say, she has this fantastic presence. Now, in this, there is, there's a lot of misdirect going on. That's probably a spoiler which i shouldn't have said but anyway there's a lot going on in midnight mass where mm-hmm. you think things are going to go one way they go another and it lives and dies on whether you buy the performances or not um that because makes there sense. are issues with it right. and she absolutely that's awesome and there is kind of like this stigma that oh that's wasted in a horror show but like no like it's just a, just as valid as anything else you just don't often yeah. see it because horror Horror is so cheap to make and it gets bums in seats. You don't usually have to put the effort in. That's it. That, I mean, 100%, so many horror sequels exist because of exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, Low investment, high return. Or even middling it. return and it still makes it worthwhile. Anything more than, you know, if it's one cent more, well, it made a profit. Yeah, it's exactly. like the anti-Hollywood accounting. It is. <laughs> you know? Um, so leading on to, so you know what my answer is going to be. What's your favorite show of the year that you watched? Um, so yeah, favorite, so uh, yeah, so, so favorite show would be, so the Marvel stuff has been great, 
but mm. any chance to talk about line of duty is what i'll do and I had to look twice because the season six of Line of Duty, I could have sworn came out three years ago, but it was May this year. It was six months ago. I cannot believe how recently this came out. It feels like forever ago. Um, But yeah, this show's fantastic. Now, season six got a lot of backlash because um, it was kind of soft pitched as the final season without saying it's the final season so there was lots of conspiracies that were getting wrapped up lots of questions that needed to be answered and the vast majority of the questions are answered but i'm 99 percent certain that we're going to get another season um but this season in particular i loved it considering it had to craft its own story and had to wrap up the conspiracy theories this show was very dangerously close to becoming like x files and lost where it sets up so many interweaving conspiracies and who do you trust and what's actually behind all of this and never actually getting to the satisfying answer of this is what it is, this is the payoff. And that always gives you the impression that they're making this up as they go along as opposed to having a seven, eight, nine season plan of this is where this is going to end up. Like Lost, exactly. Just fucking makes it up as it goes along. But um, whether this is the original plan or not, for me it was satisfying and the reveals were great. The performances are always fantastic. I love everyone in this show. Um, and I don't want to miss out their names, but I'm actually going to. So yeah, Martin Compton, Vicky McClure, Adrian Dunbar. Um, uh, yeah, all three of them just they're fantastic. And the supporting cast is great as well. Um, yeah, love this show so much. If you like um, police shows... Um, that have an arc per season and then some threads that carry on through. Um, you'll absolutely love this. It's such a good, good watch. Hard recommend. Okay, so I guess, spoiler, you know what my favourite series of year was. It's Midnight Mass. Yeah. Yes, I can guess. Um, it's, uh, so the it's um, a small island off the coast of the mainland, uh, America, contemporary. Um, everyone has smartphones. It's, you know, it's, it's 2021. Um, a they are sort of built around this central church. You know, it's it's quite a religious community. Um, a wayward son returns home. He's just got out of prison after four years, and he has lost his faith. Uh, but his family are still very devout, and they're like, you know, come on, you you must come back to church. You must come back to church. It it, it had a real sort of country Irish feel about it in that way, even though it's mm-hmm. it's definitely definitely America. Yeah. Um and. You know, they're all talking about the re- the return of the local priest. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, arch uh, archbishop Pruitt. Oh, I forgot now. Anyway, so he's an arch something, um, and they're all shocked when this young man walks in at the end. I um, was like, "What's going on?" And this the mystery of who this young man takes up a surprisingly small amount of the series. So it's it's like it's okay. pretty much you pretty much you you're just like oh okay, Grant. Right, that's that's kind of the way. And then each episode, you know, you get, you kind of find yourself wading deeper and deeper and deeper into the water. And you don't realize you're up to your neck until you try and go, oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. wow. Because like I said, because it's that slow pace and you don't really, you know, you don't really see kind of all the little threads that are being lined up. Mm. And I mean, that's cool. just incredible, incredible payoff. Um, and things happen when you are not expecting them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, so there is one, one little aspect and there is a, 
a makeup aspect, which does it does it's it's enough to mention it that it stands out a little bit. Um, okay. So the, the 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 makeup department they had a hard job, but yeah, some things are like they made an attempt. At yeah, it. exactly. Um, the the soundtrack now you know me, I'm obsessed with music. The soundtrack by the by the Newton Brothers. Um, it's actually a lot of it is remixed church music, and it fits in the theme of the season very much. Oh, that's cool. Um, and without giving anything away, there are two renditions of the song "Nearer My God to Thee," and I'm a hard fella, Ian. I cried a bit. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh yeah, that might get me. Music tends to get me. So, um, yeah, so the two scenes in question that feature "Nearer My God to Thee." If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the show, good luck. Watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but easily, without question, that was my 2021 standout series. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I w- it's it's the only show that I'm missing really that um, is a must watch for me. Um, how are you? I won't ask how you're watching it. Um, I wonder where it is in England. It's pretty easy. It's on Netflix. Is it yes. on Netflix? <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, but Irish Netflix can be different to English no, Netflix. No, it can't because so UK on. and Ireland is the exact same rights. Yeah, oh, for is Netflix. it? My bad. That's hilarious. My bad. You were asking so carefully as well. You were asking so carefully. I was like, that's that's I well phrased. Was like, that's well phrased. I'm so used to doing this on like a couple of other podcasts that I'm on where they're, they're American. And I'm like, do you want to tell me where I can watch it in England? Because HBO Max isn't a thing. Um, oh, that's so funny. Um, biggest disappointment of 2021 for you? Oh, shitballs. Um, I guess we should put a spoiler warning on oh, this Oh, no. We know what this is. Well, you know is. what mine is. Halloween. Oh. Yeah, Halloween kills. Let's spend another hour talking about Halloween I, kills. It doesn't deserve Our Biggest a, disappointment but, by far. Yeah. By far. Oh. Um, no, no. Oh, Do you have a different one? Do you have a different one? Good. I have a different one. Matrix 4. I thought you were going to say that, all right. Uh-huh. Now, my expectation... So, I think in reality, Halloween Kills is the bigger disappointment because my expectations were a lot higher after Halloween 2018. But I've talked enough about that. <laughs> Matrix 4. <laughs> Matrix 4 is so bad we abandoned doing a pod on it. Um, so that was the, the the first of three plans for this week. Um, it is so disappointing. Like it is, it's pretty enough to watch, but it's fucking miserable. I think everyone, other than, um, and I'm going to bring up the cast list. Super, because um, I need to. Uh, not uh, something Goff. Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff. Thank you. And Neil Patrick Harris. Um, they are fantastic. They're the only two people not phoning in performances. The only problem is they're chewing all of the scenery and overperforming okay. that it makes um, uh, oh, names. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Yahya Abdul Mateen II. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves are just wasted. They're just phoning it in. They, they look so bored to be back in the Matrix. Like, the pair of their characters may as well be like, you know what? We're just gonna stay in the Matrix. We're we're gonna we're gonna stay in here in the in the simulation because it's just easier. And I really can't be asked. And when they get into the real world, it's like, oh fuck this. Okay. Um, <coughs> the the action is everything you've seen before, but not done as well. Um, it's so self aware. Like it's meta. It is th- probably the most meta film that I've ever seen, including anything Deadpool has ever done. Um, Warner Brothers name checks itself in the film. Um, it's it, the, the best thing I'll say about it is that you can watch it and it doesn't affect the first three. 
So you can watch this on its own and pretend it doesn't exist. If oh. you're just hungry for more content, um, like it exists, it carries stuff on, it carries the story on, but it doesn't devalue really anything that happened in the first three for me. Um, but yeah, holy heck, was it disappointing. Um, the best thing about the film is the trailer. That trailer fucking rules. Okay, um, yeah. White Rabbit. And yeah, exactly. And they, they play the entirety of the song in the film as well, but the most depressing point possible. Um, yeah, just watch Matrix again, the first one. That's, honestly. I've heard, like, the, the nicest thing I've heard about it is that it's not the worst reboot they've ever seen. No, it's not the worst. Yeah. But, I mean, Rob Zombie's H2O exists. It, um, no, he, or whichever he, one was the reboot. Yeah. Um, one was okay. Two is, I don't know what was going on in that film. <laughs> um, but, uh, I like I will give it a go because like there are parts I will defend in Reloaded and Revolutions. Not many parts, but there are parts. Oh, I like them. I didn't compared to this. I fucking adore that's them. That's worrying because they didn't. They are not good films. Um, um the, the highway no, chase not compared to the first one. Um, it's fantastic. The attack on Zion yeah. is great in Revolutions. Yes, yeah. The first one is the like court, courtyard with all of the Smiths is great, which I think is in Reloaded. Okay, interesting, interesting opinion. That's fine. Hey, we we, oh, no, we respect that. all opinions here. That's fine. No, what with the the million Smiths? What, no, mean, we the, don't like that. The thing fight. where Neo fights a million morphs from that old children's TV show. Well, yeah, yeah, but I never mind. Moving on. That's okay. That's grand. <clears throat> You're still lovely. Um, Thank yeah. you. Yeah, hate that. Tell me how much you hated Halloween Kills. I'll again. do it quickly because we we literally have an entire episode on how much I hated Halloween Kills. Um, it's awful. Yeah. It is. It's awful to the point where I'm still upset about it. Um, because it's all the same creative people and they all just went, nah, I will pick Fuck it up it. in the next one. Um, it, that's literally it, isn't it? We'll pick it up in the next film. Do, do you know, I saw um, on another pod's 2021 breakdown uh, something that, okay, I do agree with, is that James Jude Courtney, who plays Michael in it, you know, he's he's good. Like, he's intimidating. Like, I, I feel like, holy shit, if Michael's in the scene, you're dead. Like, I, I, I did yes. guess that oh, in Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... But that's him. That's, yeah, nothing to do with the film around him, really, does it? Exactly. And, like, there's other Halloween films where Michael's in the scene, and if you have even, like, a, a child's scooter, you're probably fine. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and even there's bits the first one like that. But anyway, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so, hated this. Really, really disappointing. Really enjoyed the score. We talked about this before. Really enjoyed the score. Like, it's really, really good. In fairness, John <clears throat> Carpenter, Cody yeah. Carpenter, and guy whose name I'm furiously um, Googling, because he deserves credit as well. Um, they they write a good score. However, and I've never said this about a score, like a, a released soundtrack before, is it's mixed very strangely. As in, like, there are tracks that mm. sound unfinished. That's so strange, so, isn't it? I remember you so saying so weird. Uh, Daniel Davies, sorry, he's the, the third composer. Um, so it's just like, oh, um, oh, okay, that's strange. Uh, as in, like, these are clearly two that's different tracks. Like, this isn't, it's not, a, here's my fancy music terms. This is not a rest and a beat. This is, oh, did you stick those together when you put them on Spotify? You shouldn't have done that. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a bit like, oh, okay. Oh, no. So it's one of the many reasons it was frustrating and disappointing. However, that leads me, Ian, into my next question that I love giving mm-hmm. you all this prep time for. What's your favourite soundtrack? Tick, tick, boom. Love it. Okay, tell us about tick, tick, boom. Yeah, I love this film. So I thought the next question might be um, surprise favorite um which will also be this film um tick tick boom i had no idea what it was going in now there's lots of factors to this so this was i was very fortunate to see um the netflix premiere of this 
<laughs> or one of the many Netflix premieres. Um, so yeah, managed to see it with the uh, with the Cinema Sins guys in Nashville. Um, awesome environment, awesome theatre. So so much fun um, to be yeah watching a film surrounded by um, yeah just some awesome people. But either way, this film would have got me. So I love Rent, and I'm rapidly coming around to musicals and just enjoying them so so much more um i love andrew garfield and um yes yeah, so this is the the story of jonathan jonathan larson and his um struggles before rent became a thing so um this is a play that he's trying to get onto uh, he, he's trying to get it off broadway let alone onto main broadway um and he's just not having uh, he just can't get the damn thing finished and he's having to sacrifice so much in his personal life to get it done. But it's either that or admit that he has to move home. Um, and he's just surrounded by a load of similar creatives that are also struggling. It's very Rent. It feels a lot like Rent, even though it's like, yeah, it's two stories before that. Um, and this is the thing that gave him enough money to write Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the thing that gave gave him some fame and then allowed him to do Rent. Um, it's brilliant. Andrew Garfield is man between him and Tom Hardy. I think they're two of my favourite actors in the entire world. He's fantastic in this. Um, the songs are brilliant. Um, uh, Bradley Whitford turns up as Stephen Sondheim. Oh, um, it's so good, and he's like kind of sprinkled throughout, and is just inspirational. It, he's so so good, and it was bit bittersweet to see him uh, to see a. Somebody play him, obviously, so shortly after he's passed away. Um, but yeah, it's so good. The songs are brilliant. Um, I was trying to pull up one of the songs, but the opening song, um, talking about turning 30 and what do you do as a 30-year-old, funnily enough, hit me. Yeah. Um, and how you kind of like you're a write-off when you're 30. Um, yeah, the film is called... Thir- the, sorry, the song is called 30th Birthday. Yeah, it's a hard recommend. Even... Uh, mm, I don't know. Would you enjoy this if you don't like musicals? Probably not. If you have a passing interest in Rent or musicals at all, you will like this. And I think there's something to love about it if you're on the the verge of turning 30, kind of that kind of area as well. There's a lot that will speak to you about it. Or if you're in any of the creative fields, um, it's, yeah, I love it to bits. The uh, So I've seen part of it uh, which is dreadful I should you know, always watch a film all, all the way through so I will get back to it I didn't stop watching because I wasn't enjoying it but this speaks to what you were saying as well like are, would you enjoy this if you were a musical fan and I am a musical fan but I also think you have to be in the mood for a musical mm. and I wasn't that night I was just like I'm enjoying this but I could no, be enjoying that's it fair. more that's fair a lot of the film is quite melancholy as well like it spends a lot of time you just want to shake the screen and be like well happy things please happen um, and the happy things are the songs like the songs are fantastic but even what they're singing about is pretty fucking miserable. I mean, well, I mean, Jonathan Larson, if if you know, you know, and if you don't know, don't find out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, put it this way. If you've seen Rent, although that's not the reason, it's not at full and happy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Andrew Garfield is brilliant. Yeah. Is that, that much I know anyway. He's phenomenal. Um, Stella. Um, so my, my favourite might sound slightly forced, right? Because I'm going to go with Hans Zimmer's Dune because there are three soundtracks for this film, which I think is the most soundtracks for one okay. film of the year. Go so ahead. we have the original score, uh, we have the Dune sketchbook, 
and we have the art mm-hmm. and soul of you because nice anyone who is familiar with not just the film like the film is very very good but not just that but also the world of frank herbert knows that how the bloody hell do you condense this into anything i mean it's bloody enormous and what they did and what i think <laughs> hans zimmer tends to do very very well is create soundscapes um and i differ that from soundtrack in that there's very little in terms of motif or themes going on here it's more just like as soon as it starts playing it's like all right i'm on arrakis yeah um yeah and i really enjoy it. and for me it stood out the most like there are other fantastic even Hans zimmer himself made a fantastic soundtrack for no time to die you know so there are other fantastic mm-hmm. soundtracks of the year but for me this one really stood out um he has i suppose the slightly unfair advantage of he's Hans zimmer so <laughs> yeah well that's like saying he's Mozart. It's true. Uh, like the man just wakes up and can create music with yeah, people. Yeah, a bit like it's like you know, kind of like I fell down the stairs on the way to breakfast and I uh, got a Grammy. Um, yeah, I got a beat. Like that beat of me uh, falling down the stairs was great. Oop, do, oop, do, oop, do, oop, um, the uh, we were we were funny because we went to see this together in the cinema and we walked out like anyone who was looking at you thought, <laughs> "Is this guy possessed?" Because you were just trying to sing the theme over and over again. <laughs> I'm like. That's not a joke. That's pretty much it. Like that is. That's great. I love it. Um, and I suppose to give it a shout out as well. I have not seen the recent West Side Story. I heard it's okay. I'm just thinking because I'm sure that should be discussed in terms of soundtracks. Yeah, I've heard phenomenally positive things about it, but I have not seen it and cannot comment. Okay, alrighty. Um, what? Where? Where will we go to next? See, because I have a feeling that if I ask you what's your Marvel of the year, you're just going to look at me and go, well, it's Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. Yeah, and you wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> so That's an easy uh, one. Um, Star Trek moment of the year. Um, lower Decks. Thought so, yeah. Um, and I think it's three ships oh. in Lower Decks. Just that episode is genius in so many ways. So, so many ways. Um, but just in general, Lower Decks coming in being the show that no one really is expecting, having no expectations, and just kicking all of the butt, just doing whatever it wants. It's hands-free, and yet still confines itself to to not being hyper-ridiculous. Um, it's the most I've laughed ever watching Star Trek. Um, I love it. I love it to bits. Um, yeah, for me, it's Picard, Lower Decks, then Discovery for the new shows, and... Yeah, just hoping Strange New Worlds can whack it out of the park as well. Same, same. Like, I really... Re- I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I, I'm hopeful, but mm. same. Um, I'm just comfortable. Like, I'm not worried when a Lower Deck season comes out. I know that I'm going to have fun. It has got so much goodwill from me now. Um, it's... It is... It. I don't know, man. It might be the thing that I introduce new people to Star Trek with because it's so easy to digest and get into. Um, and the more you watch it, the more you'll appreciate the, the callbacks and whatnot. Yeah. No, I, I mean, sorry, I totally agree. Um, it's definitely, oh, I don't know, would you call it a gateway drug to... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, in some ways, no, because it's if you go in expecting Star Trek to be like that, it won't be. But it's enough to give you the aesthetic and the the names, at least. Um, yeah, and you just, you'll have a good time. Like, there's a low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think so as well. No, no. Funnily enough, despite the fact I agree with everything you just said, my Trek moment of the year comes from Discovery. Uh-huh. Um, which I haven't watched Which yet. you haven't watched yet. Oh, no. So... Uh, I'm happy for you to share it. 
Cool. Okay, so in episode one, at least it's in episode one. Um, nice. And it's very early in episode one as well. It's like in the first five minutes. Um, there is Starfleet Academy is officially reopened, right? For the, oh, the that's first cool. Time. And to commemorate this, uh, a new space dock is revealed at Federation HQ, and it's named Archer Space Dock. And we get the Archer theme nice. is played over that scene. And it oh, that's is amazing! Beautiful. And it just happens to be that the, the ship parked in there is the Voyager J. And it's just it's oh, that's it's beautiful. It's obviously and deliberately uh, exactly exactly. Oh, that's so oh, good! It's lovely. That's amazing. Yeah, I, oh shit! I need to watch yeah, I got, that. I got tingles with that one. So that is yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, it's like when the Voyager theme plays when Seven of Nine turns up yeah. in X Astra, whatever it was. Um, yeah, it's so good, so so good. Yeah, ter- thoroughly enjoy that because it's just like our our geeky geeky moments. But actually, um, like. I know what my number one geeky moment of the year was. I suspect it's going to be very similar to your number one geeky moment oh, of the year. Andrew Garfield. It's Andrew. Yeah, it's Andrew absolutely Garfield turning up. 100%. So His face is so pure as soon as he takes the mask off. He's, he is Spider-Man. Like, oh, oh, it's so good. I love Andrew Garfield. Man, if I ever get to meet that man, I may die. I'd, I'd, if I ever get to meet that man, I can only hope I'm as lucky <sighs> as Stephen Colbert. And if you know, you know. I know, Yay. yeah, you know, yeah, uh huh, man, that went on, that went on. I and I, it could have gone on longer, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like it yeah. could have done. That's Stephen Colbert, man. I fucking love that yeah, guy. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I kind of like him too. Kind of like him too. Yeah. Uh, I just thought, um, I suppose the knocked it out of the park of the year has to go to No Way Home. Um, yeah, yeah, delivering on expectations when expectations couldn't have been much higher, for sure. Do you know what, actually, what I'm going to say to as a close second to that was No Time to Die. That delivered for me. Yes. No, totally. Um, I'm not super hot on it. The more that I, it's sitting with me. I don't know that I've got a burning need to watch it again, but it does what it needed to do. I, it was very safe. Um, and spoiler alert, he dies. <laughs> now, you would think that him dying wouldn't be a safe thing to do, but it absolutely, it absolutely is in the context of the Craig movies, definitely. Um, I, I, it played it all very, very safe, and I, I get it. I get it. I, 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 I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, this has been an episode where Sean agrees with Ian. Uh, but no, you're not wrong. <laughs> How strange. Uh, in that. And I think as well, because it was so well-known in the media, certainly more so than I've ever been aware of, particularly when it comes to Bond, that, mother of God, this is his last film. There, There is... This we is know. His, like, we know. Now, arguably, yeah. so was Spectre supposed to be, but then it wasn't. And da 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 yeah. da da da. Um, so going into the film, I didn't like expect expect the ending. Nor was I particularly mm-hmm. shocked. I certainly wasn't disappointed, shocked. but I wasn't particularly no. shocked. Um, what what's your? This has shifted from favorite to award. So what's your? That was fine. Award of the year, because I know my answer for this one. Um. You go with yours while I have a ponder. Rami Malek in No Time to Die. That was fine. Oh, you mean that was fine performance? Yeah, just that was fine. And it could be anything, Joe, because I'm. Just, oh, okay. Let's just be, you know, because that was fine. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with um, it. If you tell me what was wrong with it, I, I don't know. But just like it was fine. It yeah. was grand. He showed up. He did uh, his work. Yeah. I've got two um, The Eternals. Yeah. Which just, it was fine. Um, and um, Encanto, which was a Disney film. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, you were saying. That came out. It was fine. Like, you've seen this Disney film five times already. Um, nothing bad. The music's great, actually. The songs are great. But 
It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, sorry, I I haven't seen it, but I even from the way you're describing it, I can tell exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, oh, I've got a new category. Movies that you would like to burn. I, wh- sorry, or one movie that you'd like to burn. Oh, in, in the basement of Laurie Strode's house. I want to throw every okay, copy. Other than of, Halloween. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Um, the Tomorrow War. Fuck that movie. Fuck Chris Pratt. Fuck the fact that I had to watch it. I despise this film. It is so fucking dumb. I don't care if it's fun. It's dumb. Stupid. Time travel is stupid in it. The action is stupid. The performances are stupid. I didn't like it. Um, stupid film. I tend to trust you. I'm just, I'm just kind of scrolling down. Did you not watch this? Uh, well, no, because I, I had already heard your review of it, uh, and then I was just yeah. like, nope, no, 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 no. I'm just doing a, just, a, just a quick kind of scroll through the worst films. Now I haven't seen it, but Home Sweet Home Alone can go and get fucked. Um, oh, I've heard all of the bad things about it. Uh, yeah, which is sad. Yeah, like not surprising. You kind of, you'd love it to be better because nothing against the cast or you know the kids only just starting. So honestly, good luck to him. You know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, Diana the Musical is a thing that happened. I forgot about that. <laughs> what? It's actually a thing that happened. Oh, good. Um, just sorry, flying down really, really quickly. So many of these I haven't even seen or didn't know exist. Oh, that's right, the Sia film music. Which? Oh yeah, I missed that as well. Heard heard of it, but an old-fashioned yeah. piece of shameless hokum. Sia's music might be hilarious if it weren't so offensive. Is the review I've just oh, read there? Oh shit! Oh no! Yeah. Hey, it's bold calling your film music, isn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, so haven't seen it. Don't think I'll get around to. Um, and then things like Space Jam: A New Legacy, which I believe was just <sighs> a trailer for Disney at uh, Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, just as much as Free Guy is, but Free Guy was actually enjoyed. I did enjoy Free Guy. I did enjoy Free Guy. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed Free Guy. That was really good. Um, now where we got? What was your favorite? unexpected performance of the year not necessarily a cameo but you can choose uh-huh. cameo if you want to but it doesn't have to be no no I've got it um, Bob Odenkirk in Nobody um, really surprised me like I didn't think that Better Call Saul would be able to do an action film um, but this is as good as Taken um, in terms of one man army versus the world has a mission um, in fact the action in it in it is so so much better um it is brutal there is a scene on a bus about a third of the way through that will break you so much um the difference between this and taken is that um he gets some punches like he he has injuries and he's not indestructible he's not bruce lee he can absolutely take a punch as much as he gives it out um and it's great it's a really simple story executed well it's like a hundred minutes long. I really, really enjoyed it. And Bob Odenkirk is—he's uh, sneaky great. He really is. Okay, okay. Um, minus Florence Pugh as Yelena Romanov. Have you finished Hawkeye yet? I haven't finished Hawkeye. So yeah, so this is coming from both she... Black Widow and Hawkeye. Uh-huh. She is. Yeah, and that is enhanced in Hawkeye when she appears in the last few episodes. She's so frigging good. That conversation she has with. Um, Kate Bishop um, uh, in Kate Bishop's like burning apartment or whatever yeah. it is is so good when she throws the chilli sauce on it she's like hi <laughs> I made some mac and cheese so good like just her comic timing is so good and I've seen her in a few yes, things yes. but not enough that I knew she could do that for example mm. like um, Midsummer is 
such a different performance and such a different kettle of fish. That it's just oh, like, for sure. Oh, this is yeah. the same person? Um, and uh, Little Women. She was brilliant in Little Women as well, which is a film that I feel should be talked about more. I really like that adaptation. Um, mm. But, uh, oh yeah, I just thought she was so much fun. Uh, if she is taking over the mantle of Black Widow in the MCU, I would be absolutely fine with that. She has more, with all respect, she has far more stage presence than Scarlett Johansson. Oh, for sure. She's so confident as well. Um, she's just such a character. I feel like she's playing herself rather than Yelena. Um, I love her so much. So, so good. Um, so, I suppose that leads to favourite... I don't know whether to call it cameo or, you know, favourite, oh my god, moment of the year. Because... I don't know. Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. Uh, well, for me, it might be Spider-Man, Charlie Cox. Yeah, Charlie Cox definitely up there. Um, closely followed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. And heavy spoilers, heavy, heavy spoilers. Vincent D'Onofrio suddenly appearing in um, uh, in Hawkeye was great. Have you seen that? The meme, um, and it's pulled from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of Leonardo DiCaprio sitting in his chair. And it's like he whistles and points at the TV. Yeah. You know. I saw that back to back with um, the with Vincent D'Onofrio appearing like, hey, shh, hey, look at look, look, look who it is. That's brilliant. It's so good. I love that. That's great. I love that so much. Uh, Everyone look. Oh, so look, I um, we did it. So well done. You had no preparation for this other than a year of watching films. So just your closing thoughts, Ian. What did you enjoy about 2021, and what are you looking forward to in 2022? Um, yeah, the movies were much better than I expected in 2021. Like it wasn't the People were still hedging their bets, and you could see there's a lot of hesitation about um, what movies to release, and dang it if they don't have enough confidence in Top Gun Maverick to actually release that damn movie this side of 2030, but mm, that makes me... Ugh. I know that was a lot of Tom Cruise pushing as well, but it was a it was a satisfying year with some great, great surprises. Um, next year, I'm really, really excite- excited, obviously, for what Marvel does next, Um I, I don't think we're going to have anything like Endgame or No Way Home for the next three or four years, but could be surprised. Who knows? I think the TV shows are going to be interesting to watch out for. Great time to be watching Star Trek as well, obviously, with a lot of stuff happening next year. Um, Discovery wrapping up, Picard Season 2, Strange New Worlds, and we will have more news about Star Trek 4 mm-hmm. or 14, whatever it is. Um, the last of the Chris Pine films, fingers crossed. Even if it's news that it's not happening, that will still be something to kind of put to bed. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for next year. Is fingers crossed? Maybe we're just going to get used to having new variants and a yearly vaccine, and we we still look after each other. But perhaps things don't shut down um, with every single variant. Um, but Obviously, staying on the side of caution is is always the wiser thing to do with these things. Um, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to next year. Um, every year brings a movie that enters into your favourite list or surprises you that you didn't expect. So I'm looking forward to experiencing all of that and having more time to do so. What about you, Shawnee? I, I loved how the communal experience of film, which I suppose has existed online since the internet's existed, has felt more and more like a community itself this year. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, beginning back in 2020, but going into 2021, this this idea of, you know, we well, nearly that we can't get to the cinema. HBO and Warner Brothers were one of the first to adapt to that with releasing everything on HBO Max and then, of course, Disney Plus and, yeah. you know, with varying uh, reactions. Um, but I've really enjoyed that. 
I've enjoyed the fact that, you know, I've no problem paying a premium price. That I've said that since the beginning. I've no problem doing that. Uh, if we can keep that idea of on opening day, we still get to see the film, you know? Yeah, big screens are nice. Big screen, big sound. Yeah, it's lovely. But if I have to watch it at home, that's fine. At least then yeah. I can, you know, obviously we're, we're mm-hmm. lucky that we have a podcast where we discuss these things. I'm lucky that, you know, I have a job where, you know, I get to discuss things like this. Uh, mm. So that has been, so a, a really nice part of 2021 has been the online community of film. Uh, yeah, for sure. Which has been, been great. And also, you know, you know, you know, getting to see people's reactions when it's like, you know, kind of like, I think I put up one of my most concise tweets of the year was about Halloween. It was Halloween Kills is dog shit. That's one of my most nice. concise tweets, you know, kind of an almost tag beat. All respect to filmmakers and everything, no, but just like, you know, kind is. of like, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Um, and what I'm looking forward to in 2022 is, like, as you said correctly, looking after yourselves. I We, we have not seen on its side. There will be more variants. Please look after yourselves. Look after your friends and family. You know, um, that's that's all you can do. If you if you do that, you know, and if everyone does, hopefully to get back to some semblance of the way things were as we go into. Don't think it's going to be 2022, man, but maybe 2020. Uh, historically, pulling out that old dusty uh, piece of paper again. But three and five year pandemics tend to last. Uh, we're going into year three, so there's Sounding the good. Sounding strange, there's, isn't there's it? The good, there's the good news. We're going into year three, so you know, yeah. you never know. We could be. Hey, this is usually where the season gets its beard. Well, that's true. Yeah, season three so, is meant to be the best one. Around March, right? You're going to be sitting there trying a prune juice, and then you're going to look out the window, and yeah. it's going to be a big temporal incursion thing. Nice. And then I'm going to be standing on the bridge, going. Andrew Garfield will appear. No, well, it's going to just turn around to be Albie <laughs> standing where you are. Oh, oh, ouch. Man, if that comes true, do you know how dark that is? The important part is that uh, wibbly wobbly. Um, yes. Ian, it's been a pleasure, um, as always. Yeah, that was great. That was good fun. Yeah, well, thank you for being yourself, and um, I hope that tickle in your throat gets a little bit better. Thank you. I'm sure it will. Excellent. Um, yeah, and we'll see you all in 2022. We will. We love you all. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our latest episode of the podcast. If you want to stay in touch and stay up to date with us, you can catch us over on Twitter at English Irish GTM. Ian, if people want to reach out to you and find out who slash where slash what you are, where do they find you? If you want to touch me, it's at Witsind. That's W-H-I-T-T-S-I-N-N-E-D. I was fortunate enough to touch this man during the year. Speaking of plugs, uh, you can catch me at Sean Ferrick on Twitter as well. Uh, You're all awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.